This is what is going to happen. They now have to keep printing or we crash. We've got this ticking time bomb. Talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire. Welcome to Live from the Vault. Welcome to Live from the Vault, the show that goes beyond the headlines and uncovers the truth about the precious metals industry and the effects on the global economy in these historic times. With exclusive access to experts and insiders, we reveal information and insights you simply won't find anywhere else. Join yours truly, Shane Morand, and precious metals expert and whistleblower, the one and only Andrew McGuire, as we pull back the curtain on the intricate world of the gold and silver markets, as we expose also what's really going on in the precious metals industry. So get ready for another blockbuster episode as we bring you the knowledge and understanding that the mainstream media won't provide. And with that, let's head over to the UK and Talking Gold with Andrew McGuire. Hey, Andrew. Uh, you know, at the beginning of April, you anticipated that the gold and silver markets were coiled to move higher as we entered the second quarter and that we should keep a good eye on the same actors in the smaller silver market. Now, uh, what they, they also, you were saying, that looked ready to lead gold higher. And so now that we've exited April, can you just update everyone on, on what you see is going on right now? Yeah, Shane, this is always a good place to start. And yes, these same actors in your beloved silver <laughs> do provide us a good window into really how these market makings inside us are really also positioning in the much larger smoke and mirrors world of the gold market. So really, silver stackers, get ready, guys. You're going to like what you are going to hear. Now, but first, let, look, let's look at the key takeaways from this last month, which was April, of course, um, and the, the, the bullish action in both gold and silver. And, and what it was was, while there was some element of paper gold buying, which is always a concern, it was actually driven by strong physical buying. And despite multiple attempts by the wrong-footed Fed to talk, uh, you know, really just that's all they've got left is just to try and talk safe haven gold down because you're limited to a very limited amount of specs. Um, and, and so really, that's all they've got in their arsenal. And so we also ended up evidencing, despite every attempt, a technically bullish higher monthly close in both metals. Now, notably, the physical buying in gold continues to be driven by competing central bank and sovereign buyers, scooping up every single paper market attempt to paint the tape lower. And this is what we said we should continue to expect. And while right on cue, the bid pulling efforts kept gold and joined at the hip silver, of course, capped to the exact mark to market price at the end of uh, last month's uh, options. And these are the same the, exactly to where the sweet spots we had assessed in our last episode, which we re recorded on April the 19th. But this unnatural paper to physical compression, it, it really tells us that there is still a price to be paid. And that means that the piper needs to be paid. And this will, of course, resume the next leg of the gold revaluation process. Now, to those people who are waiting for the next synthetically driven sell-off, and I look out there and everyone's saying, oh, it's going to come back down. 
Look, as far as the paper gold element of the rally is concerned, far fewer non-sticky speculators are left on board to be easily rinsed. Uh, so dips will continue to be very shallow. And both gold and silver have been consolidating recent gains, which is just what we want to see. Uh, now coiling on freshly developing higher stair steps than the ones that we identified last time. Now, while the insider footprints are telling us that the strong central bank and sovereign physical gold and silver buyers are increasingly, what they're doing is turning the automated, we talked about this before, the automated inverse dollar to gold, silver, algo correlation against itself. Now, we've had so many questions on this that it's worth simplifying what this means. Now, simply put, outside of the US-centric siloed casino, because gold and silver are also foreign exchange currencies where one is either long or short gold and silver against the dollar, much like you would be with the euro, the pound against the dollar, etc., then when the dollar rises against gold, for example, it is expected that gold would inversely correlate lower to each tick by tick, just like the dollar against any other currency would. But, and it's a big but, this foreign exchange price only relates to the cash settled element of a gold or silver currency move. Whereas when this gold or silver foreign exchange price is demanded by someone for physical delivery, it forces this inverse correlation to actually dislocate, which is what we're evidencing. And when the foreign exchange gold buyers turn up in uh, central bank and sovereign size demanding physical delivery, then we see the paper market liquidity get drained and a real physical price starts to emerge. And this means that the liquidity providers providing the short or long foreign exchange quote uh, and that includes officials regularly intervening. They openly admit that they interview in all the currency markets. What it does is force the liquidity provider. He has to go to the physical market to try and convert this cash gold position to physical gold bullion for delivery within two days. And now that the Basel III legislation forces liquidity providers providing the quote to have the physical to deliver, official paper market interventions become far more difficult. And this is why we drew attention to the very wrong-footed Fed in our last episode, trapped and holding the bag. And we've drawn attention to how this 50-year uh, legacy algorithm has set up gold to be intervened in, but historically it's relied on laying off the cash-settled foreign exchange element of the official management tool it's they've had to lay it on the speculators who could guarantee to be depended upon never to take physical delivery. However, as soon as gold was formally reclassified as first tier, a first tier asset at the commencement of 2023 trading, these foreign exchange positions became physically deliverable. So in other words, this direct foreign exchange coupling of gold and silver currencies has been sussed out by the competing central bank and sovereign buyers pushing back regularly, using rises in the dollar to scoop up inversely discounted gold and silver in the rigged fixes. Now, while speculators have not figured this game out yet, what it means is that a real physical mar market price will emerge. Now, the physical market dog is, in other words, is increasingly wagging the paper market tail. 
This is, this is something we've been looking at that we needed to happen for years. And it took Basel III for this to start to really happen. Now, these are the inputs that really serve to offset the longstanding bearish options bets that we talked about made 12 months ago. And during this bullish for gold de-dollarizing process, um, it, it, it kind of res it, what it what did was result in these bullish monthly technical closes in both gold and silver. Now that's really beneficial. But what it does also is underscores the fact that following the Bank of International Settlements buying back all of the 500 tons of bets it had made against gold, the Bank of International Settlements is no longer forced to cap gold to protect naked short options bets at the at each month end which used to be a big drama event. And as we drew attention to in our last episode, it is the Fed now trapped and holding the bulk of the bearish naked short undeliverable paper market bets. And as, I mean, their primary tool, which is this inverse uh, gold dollar uh, algo, it's being preyed upon by a physical hungry global market. All right, Andrew, can you share how this change in behavior in the gold market is going to impact the silver market? You know, from what we were discussing earlier, I think this is significant. Yes, Shane. Now, following April's bullishly physically driven action, our focus is on the same gold actors, easier to read, extremely bullish footprints in the silver markets. And what we see is significant and very, very good news for all you stackers. Now, let's drill down. Every two weeks, BlackRock updates the aggregated silver ETF, the SLV ETF short interest levels, meaning how many ounces of illusionary ETF silver have been borrowed, um, sold short, but borrowed, but they're still counted as backing the ETF, even though there's double ownership claims on this. And while these reports are only published every two weeks, with the next one um, due on May the 9th, we constantly track the loan borrow rates on an intraday basis, which we reported back in February and March, that this double counted borrowed silver was rising to unsustainably high risk levels and looked ready to be bought back. Now, these underlying loan borrow rates suggested insiders were moving to short cover their naked short element of this borrowed silver. However, while we suspected short covering, last week's SLV report, dated on the 14th of April, took everyone by surprise. Now, furthermore, as we can further discern by the inverted loan cost to borrow more SLV shares, the yet to be published upcoming May the 9th report covering this current period that we're in now will almost certainly evidence more short covering. And these are the polar opposite footprints evidenced the last time the SLV short interests were cut to current low levels back in February 2021. This was a notable point, a high point as well, where we saw a collapse. And this was the point where, where these authorized participants, these cartel insiders, added fresh shorts back. So with that case, we need to take a look at what is different now, because that is the question. And as we noted at the time, uh, it's in February 2021, uh, with silver on the point of breaking out um, for another uh, run into the all-time May uh, $2,011.50 highs, it was, it was at that point, the break point. 
The blatantly obvious counterintuitive wall of naked short cell footprints indicated these freshly added naked short positions had to have been sanctioned by officials scrambling to bail out the too big to fail banks, severely wrong footed by the 11 month short squeeze, which they could not remedy with fair play. So that what this does is merit our attention now. Now, the latest report indicates that SLV shorts were cut by an unprecedented 60.79% from 41.5 million shares to just 16.3 million shares in the last two weeks alone. Now, while historically we have never seen such a dramatic reduction in any two-week reporting period, this race to cover was conducted during the period when spot silver was consolidating close to the mid-25s. Now, given this reporting period was to lead into this, the identified 25th of April, which was the May futures contract that we looked at that said where we said it would, would close, um, which was the options capped level we identified in that last episode. And despite multiple cartel attempts to rinse out the non-sicky sicky specs, the lack of any downside traction and the dwindling open interest, i.e. the chips in the casino, um, that, we, that we've been tracking, it shows insiders are now playing with a very weak short hand. Andrew, I think this is really interesting, especially as quite a few of our subscribers, as quite a few of our community are really worried about the cartel, you know, could raid the silver market again. Yes, Shane. Uh, and we do, and quite right. This beggars the question, what is so different this time? Why can't the so-called London professional trade, the cartel, do the same now? And why would dips um, be shallow from here? So it's worth looking at the parallels as to what we're seeing now, as it really illustrates the LBMA CME trade is on its heels, having to dance to a much more bullish structure. Now, heavily influenced by the physical gold rush. Now, silver's joined at the hip to gold. And there's so little doubt that since the open of trade in January 2023, where Basel III NSFR compliant gold has been forcing the same actors in silver to scramble to unwind long established naked shorts, from a wholesale market perspective, we can see that a real supply demand price is about to emerge in silver, unfettered, by thousands of tons of synthetic dilution. The last one was something like 1,200 tons. Now, the unwinding short silver long gold ratio trade partially, partially backs this up. So traders will see that that ratio trade is dropping. This also evidence that what we're seeing, that, that we're seeing bouts of silver outperformance to gold as the short positions in silver are covered and uh, against gold. So Shane, Looking at the current footprints, the very last time the SLV shorts were at these current low levels, we have to look all the way back to when silver had been short squeezed into the $30 range. And that was driven by the 11-month physical supply deficit. And that was triggered by the March 2020 COVID refinery shutdowns. Now, again, a physical short squeeze, but for a different reason. Let's want to get to that. The unfactored supply deficit crashed up at that time against a global race into safe haven gold and silver, catching the so-called 
London professional trade, the cartel, naked short both silver and gold. And these unanticipated March 2020 refinery closures blew these collusive naked insider shorts in both gold and silver out of the water, both metals breaking out of the synthetically managed LBMA CME ring fence. Now, the crack in the paper dam was initially more noticeable in gold, where without warning, these same actors over-leveraged short futures hedges. And they were, and when, you know, if it was one-to-one, fine. They are not. They were over-leveraged on the short side of, of each long on the over-the-counter markets. And they were caught out with no physical available to back up their over-the-counter longs when they were hit with strong physical demand requests. Now, spot gold buyers... Unable to get any physical bullion from the shuttered refineries, they wheeled in on the spot market liquidity providers, demanding physical delivery of the foreign exchange longs they raced in to buy from them. However, these liquidity providers had nothing to deliver, and all at once, they all raced for the exit. However, the only remedy was to short cover extremely over-leveraged short futures hedges, which weren't hedges, they were short bets, illustrating the futures markets hedges were not one-to-one and that the futures were being used to cap the gold price far exceeding a natural hedge. Now, the scramble to cover these mismatched hedges drove the futures market into a bid-only condition and that forced liquidity providers to stump up between 80 and $100 per ounce premiums so as to get themselves off the delivery hook. Now, while the first tier uh, cartel members were bailed out after incurring literally hundreds of millions of losses, uh, this was the point where we evidenced a lot of the second tier liquidity providers not bailed out by the, uh, by, by the Fed permanently they permanently exited the paper markets. And it was undoubtedly also the trigger to bring forward the implementation of previously delayed Basel III NSFR conditions to January 2023. When you think about it, that the entire derivative gold market could easily, while 15 trillion uh, in, in, in plain vanilla trade, could easily be exceeded 70 trillion. It couldn't have been enough to take these banks down. So this also impacted silver, over that ensuing four months after March 2020. And these same actors in silver were also blown out of the water, driving silver price up a full $18. Think about that, 5,000 per, 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 per dollar, 5,000 ounces per dollar. I mean, this is, this is huge, $18 high. You can imagine the pain that caused the, uh, the, these uh, naked shorts from an, in, in, from an extremely synthetically compressed $12. They'd been literally rigged down to 12 bucks when they were caught. And it drove it up into the $30 August highs. Now, whereas this four month short squeeze into the 30 level had sucked in sufficient fresh, um, non-sticky speculators, which the cartel were able to take the short side of, setting them up to ring the register on this fresh group of easily rinsable traders, they took it down about eight bucks back into the 22 level, where they then ran into strong Asian buyers underpinning 22. So that was a bit of a, a, a bit of a religious experience for these guys looking to get back to 12 bucks. And that brought us full circle. Our silver futures were then driven back up into the 2nd of February 2021 
30, it was a 30, uh, $30.35 highs. And once again, driven by strong physical demand and tight supply into which, if you recall, we reported live that this was, it was impossible absolutely impossible to have obtained this much physical and consequently the naked short uh, SLV and COMEX short positions must have been begun significantly increasing. There was no other way that you could account. There was no physical silver that could be bought in those sizes. Uh, and of course, they were risen. And the inability to obtain physical was still, while still diluting the paper silver ETF inflows, um, sort of with, sort of with the shorts triggering, a, what it did was trigger a very, very sneaky <laughs> changes in the SLV prospectus. And I know we covered it at the time, but there's a lot of new, new subscribers here. So what this perspective, perspectives suddenly changed to without any announcement, quote, the demand for silver may temporarily exceed available supply that is acceptable for delivery to the trust which may adversely affect the in, the investment in the shares. So it was kind of summed up in the statement saying, it's possible that authorized participants, i.e. the RBMA cartel, um, may be unable to acquire su sufficient silver that is acceptable for, for delivery to the trust uh, for the issuance of new baskets due to a limited then available supply coupled with a surge in demand for the shares. In such circumstances, the trust may suspend or restrict the issuance of baskets. Such occurrence may lead to further volatility in share price and deviations, which may be significant in the market price of shares relative to NAV. Well, long story short, what that means is, well, tell you what, um, we'll just show it as inventory, but we'll short sell it. And and so really, none of it, this was a huge paper um rinse a complete deluge of paper silver. So ordinarily, what should have happened here is the trust should have gone to market and paid whatever the price was to obtain what SLV buyers were demanding. And if that was $50 or $100 or $200, that's what it should have been. But what it would have done is blown these two big to, to fail banks out of the water. So this is a, clearly trying to illustrate what a rigged game this is. But we need to look, you know, this. we need to look at why this is different. And this is because this is where we saw the so-called professional trade in silver forced to double down on these short positions. And the footprints surrounding this short selling were undoubtedly officially sanctioned. There is no other way it couldn't be. However, the cartel kept running into strong Asian physical buying on every dip into $22, which given the cartel was unable to short cover these ballooning shorts below this level, was when the CME, yes, the actual, the, the, the exchange, uh, the exchange owners stepped in, obviously sanctioned by the government, stepped in in February 2021. Now this, if you remember, this was mind-blowingly obvious. They cut margins. In other words, they cut the borrowing costs to borrow futures, silver contracts, just to enable the cartel to get enough credit to short silver in the futures markets into a price rise once um, again threatening a breakout. Now, as we identified at the time, 
This was a sanctioned bailout of the two big to fail banks during the entire 50 years of silver that silver has traded on the COMEX, cutting a margin or borrowing cost to, to borrow a, a, a contract into a price rise had never been done. It was unprecedented. And it telegraphed an official bailer of these extremely wrong-footed, too-big-to-fail banks shorting silver. So again, to answer what is different this time, I mean, why it's impossible to commence a similar rig sell-off with silver once again looking to threaten large stops as silver knocks on the door of these same capped February 2021 highs which, as I say, that is the, the, the Rubicon line, which really sets this whole thing up to for a huge rinse into the highs, uh, into the $50 highs, at least. Now, bottom line, and as evidenced by last month's options exercise structure, which we actually looked at last time, it's the, it is, it is the coattailing speculators who are largely holding the short bag against the silver breaking out while insiders are racing to exit shorts into, they know, it is a commodity super cycle, increasingly driven by the price of all commodities in non-dollar-denominated currencies. And this is a wholly different structure which limits the downside. In fact, it sets up the dollar price of silver to explode higher. Now, Andrew, you've been looking very closely at how the de-dollarizing process is bullishly affecting gold. Now, is this the same for the silver markets? Yes, it is, mate. You'll be pleased to know. As this is, as this 2023 de-dollarization process ramps up, we're already witnessing an early stages of the dollar index to gold revaluation process. Our silver is starting to be priced outside of the dollar cap, slowly increasingly valued against a growing basket of physical gold and commodity currencies. This is what is going to happen. And as silver becomes exchangeable with these hard asset currencies, it will also break out and easily exceed all-time paper-capped $50 levels. Now, we're recording this um, ahead of FOMC later today. This is Wednesday. Uh, Non-farm payrolls on Friday. Short-term, we expect Look, we expect some non-NSFR compliant silver to be gamed into FOMC, non-farm payrolls on Friday. But when, because this is when the episode will be released, so you'll, you'll already know that data. But we see insiders using dips to get positioned for a large quarter two rally. And as we discussed last time, the key level to overcome, the immediate key level to overcome, and the current technical fight line to overcome is $26.22. And once through for a pit close or two, expect a very quick gap close into 35. And as we just said before, then you draw back to the much bigger picture that puts you right in the middle of where a huge short squeeze will occur. And what, you know, we're going to anticipate the next rally at least to the $50 all time highs. And that, it, that it's going to stair step from there. From there, we'll take it one step at a time. But looking at the aggregated supply deficits into the most undervalued commodity on earth, clearly higher. So speaking of de-dollarizing the de-dollarizing process, Bloomberg now reports that the dollar share of reserve currencies has reached an unprecedented low level, declining from uh, 73% in 2001 
um, to 47% in 2002. But as we look into this second quarter of 2023, this US unipolar hegemonic global buying um, has, has ha, bullying, actually, is what it is, has exponentially forced the ramp up of the scale of de-dollarization. So it's like it's kicking back. And with Bloomberg also reporting that the BRICS, that BRICS has drawn in bids from 19 nations, another 19 nations ahead of the summit. At best estimate, liquidity providers um, um, assess this share will be now have likely contracted uh, the, the share of the um, of, of the dollar percentage will will have contracted to around 42 percent with a consensus of just 33% by 2024. Well, this clearly exceeds all of the uh, all of the mantra that says this is going to go on for five years or more. And actually, Pepe, Pepe Escobar uh, rightly draws attention to the Russian finance minister, Anton Tsirinov's assessment that over 70% of trade deals between Russia and China are already using the ruble um, or the yuan. Uh, this does not account for direct Russian deals with India and a range of the other BRICS nations. Um, uh, furthermore, as we've recently highlighted, the Chinese alternative to the SWIFT cross-border inter in interbank payment system, the CIPS that we drew attention to a couple of times ago, is increasingly being utilized by nations seeking sanctuary from an in increasingly weaponized dollar. So the BRICS nations already contribute 32.1% to global growth compared to, this is Bloomberg's data, compared to G7's 29.9%. And this does not yet account for the very recent sanction-proofed and bridge, um, uh, the, the sanction-proofed uh, land bridge being, being, being removed between Iran, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Turkey, Indonesia, which is the key plank to China's multi-trillion dollar Belt and Road Initiative. And this can no, it is, there can be no doubt at all that NATO countries have been caught wrong-footed now that China is facilitating the removal of the barriers between these historic enemies. And also Mexico is now far down the road uh, integrating to integrating in the SCO. So, you know, this is, th these things are happening. And the glaringly obvious PSYOP's absence of any mainstream media mentions of this tectonic global FX pivot, or indeed their drip-fed attempts to even play down the significance of these impossible-to-hide trade deals by passing the dollar, it speaks volumes. And what it does do is to warn us to position ourselves accordingly. And while we've previously drilled down into the various components that drive these alternate safe haven flows, our focus is on how this ramped up de-dollarization process will affect the supply demand and ultimate revaluation of gold and all commodities increasingly being priced outside the US-centric paper markets. Now expect the Davos crowd to try and double down on efforts to ramp up military industrial war against you know, Russia, China, uh, but Russia's red line was already crossed. Uh, by NATO one year ago and already reached a stalemate that could at any point erupt into World War III. Um, but if they also cross China's South China Sea and ultimate the Taiwan red line, it would commence an extremely ill-advised, unlikely to, military war between NATO and China 
at which point, obviously, a hegemonic battle that the WF is anchored in will be lost much faster than anyone's factored it in, and they know that, so it's unlikely. And fighting a global alliance which produces the bulk of all the hard commodities with additional backfiring sanctions bolstered by freshly printed paper dollars to offset them will import massive inflation into the West. Now, I know Christine Lagarde uh, recently estimated that inflation could rise by an additional 5% on top of current inflation positions. So, and then the story goes on and it's rapidly evolving. However, more immediately, knowing either World War III is coming or at best case, the unbacked dollar is ultimately going to be overwhelmed as an action point when making the choice to opt out of the dollar and all related fiat currencies, we must first choose what alternative to opt into. And obviously, it's gold. Obviously, it's silver. But as we've assessed, if, you, if you're thinking, oh, no, I'll do I'll get cash, how about I hold some cash? Holding cash in a broken banking system is a high-risk trading decision, nothing else. And at best case, this cash will be eroded by inflation. But worse, it can be bailed in without any notice. The only truly fungible currencies other than depreciating cash are gold and silver, plus 5,000 years of back testing proves it. So while the de-dollarization process plays out to its inevitable conclusion, we simply exchange these depreciating dollars for bought and paid for physical gold and silver while it's freely available. And I do emphasize while it's freely available. And, and we've not even covered the plain vanilla bullish safe haven drivers for gold when while the general market is pricing in a soft landing, they're not factoring in the severe bank credit contraction, which ought to force the Fed to raise rates, but into the toxic for risk, but bullish for gold mix, an extremely wrong-footed Fed is aware that it was the aggressive pace of their recent rate hikes that triggered the banking crisis in the first place. And while Yellen, Jamie Dimon, and a host of spin masters busy this week, Torlik talking their own book, have been wheeled out to spin the ongoing mantra that the banking crisis is under control. This disingenuously glosses over the very clear signals that the commercial real estate shoe is about to drop. And when it does, it will most likely provide the pivot to force the Fed's hand into cutting rates to avert triggering a far worse bank run, driven by expanding interest rate differentials between the regional banks and the higher rate ballooning money market funds. And what, while the blinkered investors seem to, what they seem to miss is that these money market funds can without notice be gated, risking these deposits to be bailed in. And the Fed already has sight of the yet publicly unreleased senior loan office opinion report, the SLOOS, which they know must reflect the seriousness of the yet to be factored in unfolding credit crush crunch. Obviously, that's not uh, not being published yet, but they have it. And while we are evidencing paper market inflows in both gold and silver to hedge this unfolding condition, it is the extremely strong physical market delivery demands that are underpinning dips in gold and silver, cementing a higher stair step for both to rally from into the end of the second quarter. So very short term, just as we anticipated into the month, the month end last month, 
we anticipate the obligatory volatility, of course, into FOMC, non-farm payrolls, as these inverse dollar to gold and silver algos influence the two-way non-sticky spec action. But dips will expose insiders to physical delivery. These are demands they're ill-equipped to actually provide. So dips will continue to be shallow and jumped on by competing central bank and sovereign physical buyers. So while gold and silver paper market actors are really largely sitting on their hands ahead of FOMC and non-farm payrolls, the 25 basis hike point hike is already fully baked into the markets, while the physical market looks much further out. It's looking in, it's locking in safe haven, T plus two, gold delivery demands for delivery at any price. Okay, the only question left, guys, how much physical do you own? All right, thank you, Andrew McGuire, for talking gold. And remember, to our entire Live from the Vault community, buy physical, buy physical, and make sure it's backed one-to-one. And make sure your gold and silver are fully insured. And understand the difference between what Andy affectionately calls the casino paper gold and silver markets and the actual physical gold and silver markets. They're not the same. Don't be fooled. So there you have it. That's all we have for you today on another fascinating episode of Live from the Vault. Now, please help keep spreading the word about this channel by hitting that like button right now. Hit the like button. Share this uh, episode with everyone you know. And also, you know, if you want to click on that bell there, we'll notify you in real time as each episode goes live. And with that, We'll see you next time right here on Live from the Vault. See you then.